and welcome to the Tompkins Times podcast. We've got a new debut debutant on this podcast in Mike Taylor. How are you, Mike? You're not quite as young as Clarkson from last night. No, no, he was kind of frightening, wasn't he? <laughs> like having a twelve-year-old in the team. <laughs> and, and Mark makes it. Mark doesn't get rotated. He's straight back in for this game. He's probably going to get rested for Fulham. How are you, Mark? You did the podcast last week. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. Such a pleasure to be with you guys. Always, uh, always a lot of fun. So we we had we did have the pleasure, speaking of that, of a Liverpool game that mattered nothing last night, apart from no injuries. So Mike, we'll we'll come to you first. Uh, what did you make of of the selection first, and then and then the the early start to the game? Yeah, well, my gut reaction was I was disappointed to see the first team players involved at all. You know, I, I kind of imagined a whole team of B-listers that I'd never heard of and, and the well-earned rest. But like everything else, I think you've just got to trust that Jurgen Klopp knows what he's doing. And, and the, do you know, the greatest thing about Klopp for me isn't just that he knows what he's doing, but he knows when he doesn't know what he's doing and he delegates to people who are experts in their field. Mm. So I've just got to think we've got the health scientists who can make those judgments. So Thanks. I reconciled myself to the team. Yeah, I think I think I'm the same. I, I I'm always concerned when uh, Salah starts a game that he doesn't need to, or Jota, or you know. I think I think I think Trent and Naby did need minutes. Mark, what do you reckon? I th- I thought they you know they're going to need minutes to get up to speed again, and this is a nice relaxed game for him to get that. I thought yes, yes, definitely. Just to echo Mark's thoughts, exactly right. You know, we always tend to uh, because we've had such a great experience with Jurgen and his team. I think we're more comfortable these days to defer onto their selections. Obviously, the Navy and Trent ones were necessary. The lads had to get minutes under the belt. Probably even more so, Navy really needs to get a run now if he can, eight to ten games without, without an injury. Um, I guess the other, the other factor which was just on my mind was this uh, 2.7 million euro per, per win yeah, award. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it's something that we've never really thought of, but it is, it's a huge amount of money. And I suppose... In that regard, it, it's almost it's almost impossible not to try and win. Yeah. So I thought the team was a decent mix. I was nervous about Salah uh, and uh, you know and, and Jota as, as as you echoed, but I was, I, was, I was pretty okay with it. I mean, it was more or less um, more or less what we expected, maybe give or take Salah. It wasn't. And Mike, speaking of Salah, he became the um, he became the club record Champions League goal scorer. Uh, yeah. It's weird, but isn't it? It feels going like ahead, going ahead of Gerard. Yeah, And looking at the list of European goal scorers generally, uh, it kind of shocks me how far out ahead Gerard is from everybody else. It's going to take yeah. a long while to reel him in. Yeah, but of course, yeah. a lot of those goals are in the the uh, UEFA Cup. I keep calling it still, which we should call it. None of this you are playing. Yeah, yeah, that. absolutely, and. Uh, it's, the European Cup was last night's game. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. That's a yeah. <laughs> We're all traditionalists. We all still call it the European Cup. Mm. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? I think that's an interesting point Mark makes about the money, the cash values, because obviously you only get about £75,000 for getting through to the semi-finals of the League Cup. Mm. Um, whereas in this game, it's £1.7 million just for a victory in, an, in a game that doesn't matter, it doesn't contribute yep. towards anything. Yep. It's incredible. Yep, it's incredible. Plus, plus I, think, I think also if you, if you consider, and, and this is in no way to take Fulham lightly, uh, I don't think we'd ever take a league game lightly, but we've got Spurs a week from last night. We've got 
Fulham on, 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 on Sunday evening who are struggling. So you'd expect a strong team out against Fulham with some rotation in the last 30 minutes there to keep the lads fresh for Spurs, which kind of meant Salah will probably only play 60 minutes against Fulham, hopefully. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, given all those factors, given the massive cash advantage of winning last night, which we then didn't do anyway, unfortunately, I think it kind of made sense to have that blend. Uh, and as Mike said so correctly, you're pretty comfortable with, with the fitness experts' um, assessment of the players before the game. So I, I, I was okay. You know, I was okay with it. I was very pleased to see Matip was entirely left out. I think that was, you know, that was an important call. Um, I was also pleased to see, of course, Genie, you know, you know, uh, being left out. But other than that, it it it, it was par for the course. Mike, what, what did you think? It must be. Do, do you reckon the cash element comes into it for Klopp with that team selection? Then I actually wasn't even aware of that until someone okay. posted it yesterday. Um, and I don't know what we got for a draw. Do you, Mark? One million, wasn't it, or something like that? And then two point one, maybe, or two point seven. For the win, I think it was 1.7 million difference between the victory and the draw. The draw, that's right. It's about a million, yeah, about a million for the for the draw. I think, I think so. So that could be wrong. Something it is like that. how we've become so um, casual about that amount of money. Yes. Like, you know, it's, it's not that long ago. I remember thinking, oh, three million pounds for Julian Dix, and you know, that's, that's just <laughs> that is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that never makes sense. <laughs> just as an yes. absolute amount. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you make a great point, Mark. I mean, I actually, I can still remember vividly as a young lad when we'd gone off and signed Phil Baird for 2.6 million, I think mm. in the summer of 95. And I remember thinking, you know, 2.6 million for a defendant, it's, it's, you know, a mind-blowing number. And now we're talking 2.7 million to beat a Danish side, you know, who we couldn't then, who we hadn't won the game, who we then actually didn't beat anyway. So, you know, times have changed. Yeah, yeah. And defenders have changed. Since Phil Bab, bless him. Yeah, God. Damn, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what? What did you? Let's let's touch on some of the performances, Mike. What did you make? Of, what did you make of Clarkson then making his debut at nineteen? Yeah, um, I thought he looked great to start with, um, but probably of all the players, his his performance degraded as the night went on. And yeah. I'm thinking not so much about the, the losing the, the physical strength or energy, but I felt like his decision making went as he. Maybe it was just all, all a bit too much. And particularly, you'll remember near the end, uh, after Liverpool corner, he was in a position to play a simple pass, keep the possession, and tried some clever trick on the edge of their area that resulted in Mitchie Lamb breaking with six players against two or three defenders. And that's it's the kind of thing that a Firmino, for example, who's perfectly capable of pulling off that trick, will just know better than to try. Yeah. So hopefully he learns from that. Obviously, the, the raw material is there. Yes, I, I I was particularly impressed with the first half hour. It looked like he was dictating play and picking out our attackers really well. Mark, what did you think? I, I definitely fatigued. Uh, yes, Mike's absolutely hit the nail on the head. Um, not not a lot to add except to say I, I was pleased with his first touch, especially in the first half. Looks like he's got a, a really nice first touch. Seems to put the you know he seems to have that skill, which is maybe an overrated. Um, an often overlooked skill where that first touch really puts the ball where you want it for the, for the, for the second touch. But yes, um, definitely Mike's 100% right. It did degrade as the game went on. Um, although it could be said that the general performance of the team suffered a degradation as the game went on, which is also understandable given the age and the nature of the game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so if he do a little bit worse than the rest of the team, maybe, but I would give him a pass because of age, because of his debut. And I think there is more to come from him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Please don't read my criticism at that moment at the end, just saying, <laughs> yeah, we should dump him. <laughs> and, and another debutant in the second half um, who had a lot to deal with, um, Bile Cumeto, is it? Cumetio? I don't know. My pronunciations yeah. are shocking. But yeah. um, what did you make? Because he looks like he's got the physical capabilities to succeed as a centre back. Has he got the technical and game reading abilities yet? Well, he had such a, a hard task, which is to replace uh, Fabinho, who. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, people say, oh, he's doing well for a midfielder playing out of position. He isn't. He's doing well for any centre-back. I, I don't think I've seen anyone better in the league this year, yeah. Van Dijk included. So when you take someone of his presence out of the back line uh, and then you drop the new guy in playing next to Reese Williams, who's uh, only had uh, I don't know, three or four appearances himself, it's asking ever such a lot. So... Yeah. I think we'll have a much better idea of how good he is when we see him playing alongside Fabinho or Matip. And looking at looking at those um, that screen share now, I've just given look at all those shots from Mitchelland in the second half. Look at all the defending those two had to do. Two young kids in in the European Cup for Liverpool away from home, and and we conceded about 12, 13, 14 shots. So. One, were there anything to do with that, or was it more to do with the fact we kept making substitutes? Is the fatigue element was the because I didn't notice anything specific in mistakes from those two really? No, I, I think um, Fabinho is a huge part of it because it isn't just the specific things he does in defence; it's the whole kind of shape and control of the team. And I, I feel like I understand why we took him off. You know, he's one player we can't, can't, can't get injured. But I think it makes a big difference. And Mark, Mark, what do you reckon about that claim? Because I think he's, I think he's right. Fabinho's not only is his underlying stats, but you can see it week in, week out performances, the the clearances off the line, the perfectly timed go-go gadget legs tackles. Mark, he's, he's one of the best centre-backs in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. again, uh, Mark and I, we, we certainly in total agreement today so far. Um, we, you know... Last week during the Wolves game, it came across a bunch of us sitting at home watching the game. And I think we were having this, this, this chat on Tompkins as to what the very best Liverpool 11 would look like if everyone was fit. And it's kind of become apparent that you'd have a real contest in central defence as to who would be picked with Van Dijk if Gomez was fit and Fabinho was fit. And indeed Matip as well, who's a very underrated defender. For my money, I think Fabinho is... Is definitely just ahead of Gomez at this time, meaning he's literally in the second best defender in the league, <laughs> maybe third best with Laporte, which is a remarkable thing, given he's, he's, he's not really a central defender by trade. Um, so, yes, I agree with Mike. You know, you've got this guy in the, in the team for the first half, really controlled the game well, controls the space, has that leadership quality at the back, leads by example, um, perhaps not so much with with, uh, with, with actual words, but but leads by example. You know, I'm, I'm also just thinking back to the, uh, <laughs> the, the the face that he gave to Connor Cody after the penalty was overturned. <laughs> it just really was, you know, this huge smile in his face, like, come on, you know, come on, you know, you know what you did. You know? <laughs> and, and, I, and I appreciated that kind of cheek, yeah. you know, and I think lost that cheek in the second half last night. We yeah. had two youngsters who were very, um, how can one say, maybe deferential, 
to the more senior players left on the team, which were very few by the end. Yeah. And and uh, Mitchell Lant enjoyed that, and they and they and they took the game to us beautifully yeah. in the second half on, on their part. They had a lot of a lot of half opportunities, yeah. and it really was to me down to that that loss of control, as Mark says, something that Fabinho gives you intrinsically, even without the crunching tackles, right. he gives you a sense of back. Yeah. So Daniel, you were talking about his perfectly timed tackles and goal line clearances, and and. Obviously, he's fabulous with that stuff. They're really visible yeah. doing the centre-back stuff. But to me, the the real magic is just the things that you don't even notice, attacks that don't develop, because he's just mysteriously in the right place at the right time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you remember back... Van Dijk syndrome. Yeah, Van Dijk syndrome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true as well. Yeah. It, it's so, just... Since Mark and I keep agreeing on everything in a, in a, <laughs> in a podcast, I'm going to very slightly disagree with you on one thing, which yes. is I think if we could only have um, two central defenders to, to retain from our squad, I agree with you that we'd go Van Dijk and Fabinho. But I wonder whether Gomez is still a better partner for Van Dijk because part of what's so brilliant about both Van Dijk and Fabinho is how they control and oversee an entire defence and perhaps the two of them together work, wouldn't work out quite so well. And that's the best I can do for a disagreement so far. <laughs> well, actually, actually, just to maybe add a bit of flavour to that, and I, I think your, your point is absolutely taken. No, don't you agree consider, with it. Uh, <laughs> Fundamentally disagree <laughs> on a huge <laughs> level. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I, uh, this is a vehement disagreement. This is a, a total disagreement. So, so, so the, 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 one, the one thing that you're saying, I, I think, and if you take that thought further, is that it's hard to assess. And, and Paul has actually written many a piece about this in the last at least, at least five years, yeah. uh, that defenders come into their own in their, in their mid-20s, maybe even later 20s central defenders. So it's so difficult to judge a, a Cometeo, yes, but it's also difficult to judge Gomez because he's a young man. I mean, he's still a young man for a central defender. Does he have speed? Yes. Does he have timing? Yes. Is he fearless? Yes. Does he have power? Yes. Does he have balance? Yes. Can he tackle? Yes. He can do everything. You know, a season and a half ago, before the unfortunate injury um, with against Burnley, uh, Gomez was an absolute Rolls Royce of a fullback next to Van Dijk. So I am in agreement. Long, long term, it would be amazing to have three centre-backs of that type of quality. Uh, Fabinho, Gomez and Van Dijk. And who knows where Gomez's ceiling is as a central defender? We haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I think yeah. I think we we don't we shouldn't discard Matip from this conversation either because he's been he's been absolutely uh, superb. It's just keeping it's him fit. That's the issue, player. really, isn't it? He's incredible in the air against some teams yeah, yeah, in the Premier yeah, League. It's this perfect. Is great. Yes, but with and, all and, these and, injuries, we're, we're still talking about. Uh, an embarrassment of riches at centre back. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how he's done it. Let's, Mark. Let's let's move on to the Wolves game because th this was a game of substance. This this is usually a challenge. Um, Wolves teams know how to go to the big six and get victories. They they did cause us possibly the most issue of any side last season. And if you look yep. across both games, um, and how. What did you make? Let's start with the teams. What did you make of the teams? Because it was pretty much the midfield that we expected. The possibly the only shock was anybody really. Jota uh, sitting out. Yeah. Yeah. So so Jota was left out, but it, it certainly was a it was an absolutely fearsome first eleven. 
uh, oh, oh, first 10 and then the youngster Kelleher in goals who's, who's fast becoming you know a bit of a cult a bit of a cult hero here in, here, here at, at, um, at, at, at Anfield um, I, I was very pleased with the team selection I felt incredibly confident before the game I mean you know Dan in last week's podcast we were chatting about Wolves' struggles in game states once they are one up or one down they can't seem to control the game at all so I, I felt tremendously confident from the way we started uh, once we scored the first goal, I, I felt there was really only only ever going to be one winner, and, and so it turned out. I was very pleased with the with the with the way we played. It was a performance, even maybe in many ways, even better than the Leicester performance, which itself was a real high mark. Yeah, because Wolves were much, much I think they were a much higher quality side. Mike, what do you reckon? What's what's your comparison between Wolves and Leicester? Very, Paul's actually well, living in Leicester. But, uh, yes. Yeah, but uh, a lot of that is penalties, isn't it? They've been getting a crazy number of penalties, yeah. like all Manchester United. And who thought that was possible? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's let's come on to the first half because Wolves had a couple, had a few shots before us. They seemed to be on top in the first twenty minutes. That was about it, though, because that was some goal again from Salah. I'll put the shots up now. Uh, Said for me. Was that all? Yes, uh, go, Mark. You go. Uh, okay. Uh, yes. Um, well, you know they've they've got tremendous uh, pace and quality in the form of Traore, who's always going to you know is always going to cause trouble. They have lost. If you consider what they've lost, they've lost Imanez. Jota, they've lost Imanez this season to this terrible injury. Uh, he'd be out for some time. So they have lost a bit of that focal point, but they've still got technical quality in Moutinho in the middle. They've got the, the tremendous Neves in the midfield. So they, 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 they always have the capacity to work, to transition the ball up the pitch. When they forced Nico into the early yellow card, there was maybe a little bit of stress down that side. But truly, there was no problem uh, 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 down, down um, Liverpool's right at all. Really, the, the, the only problem came when I think Traore managed to get behind. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Robbo, in fact, tried to make an interception up the line. And the ball bar passed him, and then Traore managed to get almost to the bar line with the cross that missed Podence's head, which I think yeah. was the was 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 really the most threatening part of the the first period for them. Uh, maybe with Jimenez that would have had a different result. So I'm pleased he, he wasn't playing, but but even so, it, it was really limited to that type of environment, uh, that type of situation for Wolves where they would work it either try and work it to the bar line left, bar line right, bar line left, not getting much love. Ball on right with Traore a little bit, but you never really felt like they were the type of side that were going to Grealish us three or four goals. Um, you know, it never it never seemed likely. If we were to fall into trouble in the game, it might have been from profligate finishing where we conceded the goal but failed to score the two or three that we needed. I, I couldn't really see any more threat than that. Yeah, Mike. Mike, what did you? Because I thought Wolves only did really threaten for maybe twenty odd minutes, but once Henderson makes that great through ball, Salah, Salah makes the run, um, and, and and a lot of people have said Cody makes a mistake. I'm not sure he does. I I think oh, it's just Salah's. On. I think it's his brilliant anticipation. Well, it is, I, but but Cody's job is to anticipate that Salah's going <laughs> to. I mean, if Van Dyke did that, we'd say, oh, an uncharacteristic error there from Van Dyke. I, I still think he's just trying to control it. He's slightly miscontrolled it, and Salah's just there to pick up the pieces. But most, a lot of other forwards wouldn't have been that um, 
perceptive about what might happen. They would yeah, have yeah. tried to get in front of Cody. Oh, that's definitely true. But I still don't see how you can look at Cody chesting the ball to Salah <laughs> six inches from a goal and say that wasn't <laughs> I'm trying to give more credit to Salah than I am to criticism yeah. of Cody. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I do like Cody. I think he's, a, a, he's come on ever so well. Obviously, he was one of our youth players. And one of those ones you look at and think, yeah, maybe, maybe we could have held on to him. But then he probably wouldn't have developed the way he has if we kept him. No, and he had to go down to the championship, of course, and get lots and lots of minutes to develop his game because he certainly wasn't ready um, when we had him. We... Mark, we completely controlled the game from that point, and and this was like this reminded me of Liverpool last season, where we go a goal up, and then we just go right here we go, this is our game, we're going to dictate the pace, you have to come at us, we're a goal ahead, game over effectively. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I mean, we you know we we, we know we've had this uh, game state discussion for quite a while. I, I certainly feel once Liverpool are ahead in the game, I, you know. Under clock, this is this is really heaven. Uh, you, you never really feel like we're under a tremendous amount of threat. Um, if if I, if I think back, and I think this is really, I mean, almost literally, you can probably go a year since that Wolves game where they played really well at Molyneux. Yeah. Uh, they, they got the uh, disallowed goal, and then Imanez scored the header. But it looked like it was coming. Yeah. You, you felt like you felt we weren't going to hold that one little advantage end. And then Firmino rescued, uh, rescued us at the end. I, I can't, I, I'm battling to think of a, of a game other than that where once we're ahead, we don't look like we're going to, we don't look like we're going to close the game out. And I suppose this is a, this is this very powerful system that Klopp has inculcated. And it, it's not just that it's, it's it, you know, it's both ways. He's inculcated it in our team and in doing so has struck fear into the hearts of opponents as well. So they know they won the down at Anfield. They 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 know what's coming. You know, it's sixty-five and sixty-six and counting. Mike, Mike did, did did they know that Gino and Alden was going to turn up with Noel is 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 playing virtually every other day for club and country, and he still manages to run fifty yards with the ball and ping one in the top bins. Yeah, it's a beautiful goal. But does the aspect of that goal I really want to talk about is Jordan Henderson's involvement. Yeah, because we we look back at the very first one. Salah's goal obviously came from Henderson's very well positioned uh, long through ball that that led to Cody's mistake. Um, with um, the Wijnaldum goal as well, it came from a Wolves attack. And the thing you see over and over again with Henderson that commentators just don't seem to be able to see, which is in those positions when we've just won the ball back in a defensive position, he spots the offensive pass. He does it over and over again and doesn't just play it short, but he picks out a player who's in a position to make a real attack. And in this case, of course, Wijnaldum did a fantastic job with it. But it, it comes from Henderson's vision, and that's just come on so much, even in the last few years, I think, that he's become such a constructive player in those situations. Is, Henderson's now up there as one of the best midfielders in the league on form. He really is. It's such, uh, a, such so a development. Yeah. Kind of like, Mark, he was in that situation, I thought, I used to rate him that highly in 13-14 when we nearly won the league. It was that good that season in midfield. Yes. Uh, you're talking about Hendo, Tim? Hendo, yeah. Hendo, yeah. yeah. So, you know... Uh, what can one say about about Jordan Henderson? I mean, as a as, as a Reds fan, lifelong Reds fan, I, there, there can be very few midfielders who will who will play for Liverpool and will retire having done so much for a club uh, and having played so magnificently for so long 
and improved so many parts of his game. Um, he's he's just a credit to, to footballers in general. His, his attitude is magnificent. You know, in 13, 14, when he when he went in, he was over eager and he went in on uh, I want to say it was to Michaelis against City for the red card. Yeah, yeah. And he went just went a little bit over the top and it's so funny what what a what a miserable impact that had on yeah. the on the, on the end of that season. We didn't have him against Chelsea, and maybe maybe it wouldn't have been a difference on, on the day. But you almost feel like with that with that with that irrepressible effort and fight that he'll give you every single game, that mm. maybe maybe we would have got over the line. And it's no surprise to me, no surprise at all, that this Liverpool team under Klopp would have Henderson as its captain. Because that, that is that is Klopp. Klopp Klopp values effort and um, mentality over ability, and that's not to say he doesn't have the ability. As Michael's saying so correctly, he, he's he's playing so many attractive passes, so he's got his locker. But but his game is all mentality, and that's what the, that's what Klopp needs. He, he wants stamina, mentality to hold the other guys over, you know, to hold the other guys over the line, and he, he does that superbly. And he's been doing it since. 2012, when they nearly shipped him out to Fulham, he's been doing it all the way, and he's just a, a Liverpool legend. I absolutely agree on mentality, particularly. And, and looking back on 2013 14, um, you know, we do not let a three goal lead against Crystal Palace slip if Henderson is in the team. No. I mean, obviously, who doesn't love Steven Gerrard? And I always will. But in terms of controlling a game rather than dominating a game, Henderson is the better player for that. Yes. Undoubtedly. In fact, Henderson might have even had some kind of control over Gerrard's eight shots in the second half against Chelsea in that game when we'd gone one 0 down. You know, it, it was he lost Gerrard lost the control that he'd had that had been so effective for us that season in setting up Suarez, Sterling, and Sturridge. That's that's what Gerrard was doing. But in that second half against Chelsea, he'd made a mistake. There was no Henderson there, and suddenly it's, he was just going gung ho himself. And that, and that shows you the effect it had. And like you say, the control against Palace, we just wouldn't have lost three three goal lead with, with Henderson yeah. in the team. Let's to finish this match off, Mike. Uh, it was an absolute joy to see Trent come on and yeah. play what is now a trademark Trent cross. Unbelievable precision on that. It's laughable. His, so every game he's doing what David Beckham was so praised for doing, but also being a right back in a yeah. incredible player. Yeah, yeah. So how do you, how how much of an upgrade is he on Nico? Because I think in the last two games in particular, Nico's done really well, considering the criticism he was getting, considering the mistakes he'd made. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's looking very sound. And yeah. at the moment, that's as much as you can ask. And it's, yeah. it's incredibly harsh that he gets criticised for not being Trent Alexander-Arnold. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, yeah. Mark, what, what did you make? And will, will we get to a more attacking, flowing peak that we usually have when Trent is playing? Because I just think he's crucial to us. It'd be crucial to any team in the world, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's a tremendous player. I mean, the difference between Nico and Trent, and this is... No disrespect to Nico is the yeah. difference between between Burnley and Liverpool. Yeah. You know, Burnley are a Premiership club. They're a Premiership team. They're they're a very good side. They're a hard side. They're quite a quite a precise little team. But of course, Liverpool are the uh, six-time European champions and the current Premier League champions. So that is the difference in quality. Uh, Trent will give you all of the athleticism, all of the mentality, all of the 
good balance, uh, which Nico probably has, but it'll also give you that X factor, you know, that, that absolute precision cross. I mean, the, 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 I mean, I mean, that ball was an astonishing ball. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it, if you watch it, you know, if you, it, it's almost, it's almost impossible the place of it. I mean, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Mane half you know, in his feet. It was remarkable. So yeah, I mean, ach, with him and there, it's, 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 it's very hard to see Liverpool being stopped when you've got a guy like Trent Alexander-Arnold and he's, and he's, and he's he, you know, he's maybe not mentioned in the first two or three most world-class players in the team. And Robertson on the other side. I'm uh, still I mean, one and here comes the other. I, I love I mean, this. So, Mike, if, if, if Robbo is not even the best fullback in the Liverpool team. <laughs> then, then, I mean, it, 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 really, the team is 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 in rude health. You know, I mean, I mean, Robbo is. I mean, is, he must be the best left back in Europe, surely. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen a better, but I, I don't see foreign teams as much as I, I'd like to. But yeah, to, the crown is his to lose, I guess you could say. Yeah, the only one that I would say would come close is Davis at Bayern Munich, and that's just based on I only saw him three or four times. He looked he looked excellent, but it didn't it didn't look to have anywhere near the defensive solidity of uh, Robbo, and they both had similar attacking output. So you'd take Robbo, who is also a machine, seems never to get injured. Um, fi- final point, my what final point? We'll have a little brief preview of the Fulham game. What do you expect, and have you seen much of Fulham this season? Yeah, I have. Um, I mean, highlights only, but uh, I've I've really felt they've been hard done by a lot of the while. I think they're uh, they've got much better players, at least, than their league position suggests. Mm. But perhaps they don't have a better team than their position suggests. Mm. Who's the lad that took the penalty that everybody was laughing at? What's his name? Oh, uh, I'm not Who's sure. Everton? Um, oh, you know who I mean, don't you? I do. Yeah. Didn't when he slipped and kicked it over. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, to me, I think he's been brilliant all season. I've, I've, and that he's going to be remembered for that penalty is just ridiculous. So uh, they've got the players to, to do really well. But I, I, I don't feel like they're integrated into a team from what I've seen. So you never want to take anyone lightly, as Mark so rightly said. But as it goes, you would think they're going to struggle to hurt Liverpool. Yeah, I agree. Have you seen much of them, Mark? Do you see any threat? Uh, apart from highlights, not a lot, not a lot. Um, I, I managed to catch half of one of their games. I'm just trying to think who it was, and they actually got an absolute pasting. Um, <laughs> yes, it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think who it was, and it wasn't a particularly strong side. They lost three 0 to Villa. They lost three 0 to Villa. Yes, yes, I think it was the Villa. I think it was the Villa game, quite right. And they actually got a, a real pasting. But Villa have turned into quite a quality side. Um, yeah, I mean, just just to echo Mark's thoughts one last time, Mark. You know, I've been uh, I've been your parent <laughs> this afternoon. Um, Fulham. Uh, the great thing about Liverpool under Klopp is that we won't take anyone lightly, yeah. and um, if we don't take them lightly, we will beat them. You know, unless something weird happens and they have two shots and both go in, and we have twenty shots and only one goes in. Uh, it should be a game that... Or they all go in overturned by VAR. Um, correct. I mean, as long as, as long as VAR stays out the equation, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we really should enjoy Sunday evening's game. Is it Cavaliero? He's Mr. Penn for them this season. Uh, no, it's Lookman. 
Lookman, yeah. oh, I doubt, yeah, Lookman, yeah. Good player. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Has has that kind of um Wilfred Zaha thing where you feel like he could be the one man team. But okay. of course the downside of that is if you can mark that one man team, you've marked the team. So we'll see. Yeah. I I've liked to when I saw them, I was impressed by Anguisa. Uh, the midfielder. So we'll see. We'll see how he gets on. See if he comes on. And they haven't been playing Loftus Cheek, which surprises me because I thought he'd. I thought he'd get in the side. Uh, a nice hard midfielder as well. Yeah, yeah. Are we? Are we? Do we see Spurs dropping any points away at Palace? Yeah, I mean, I I don't rate Palace, but they do keep getting results. So <laughs> I don't know whether it's my anti-Roy Hodgson prejudice. It's, I've got that. I've definitely got that. Yeah, we all. <laughs> yeah, so I don't maybe maybe a draw would be okay. But the thing is, the week after that, I don't really fear Spurs. No, no, they're, they're, I don't I mean, think they can do to us what they've done to Chelsea and no, exactly. Uh, they're, they're executing brilliantly, but they do roughly have one plan, and I, I, I don't see that we're going to be naive enough to to let that happen. I'm just, yeah. Maybe we'll look at this video in a, a couple of weeks and think that idiot Taylor, what was he talking it's, about? It's, it's the folly of predictions as ever. But I, I, I've yeah. been watching them closely to try and pick out any flaws. And my flaw is that for Spurs is that they're so one-dimensional. If you, yeah. you just stop what they do well and can they can they cope with our varying lines of attack? Because we can do it in three or four ways. Whereas Chelsea, <laughs> Arsenal and City missed a lot of chances against them more than anything. Um, let Mark, what do you think? Can can Everton do us a favour against Chelsea? No, I, I, not not the way it's gone for them the last month. But you know they've got some previous against Chelsea. They've been, you know, I think if you look back in their last ten games, I think you'll find you'll find a few Chelsea pastings uh, where Chelsea have, have given Everton a real hiding, and then you'll find one or two games where Everton have shown up. Uh, look, I mean, we know we know the front two are good. We know that Ancelotti is extreme quality, so I think he'll set up to frustrate Chelsea. I think he will succeed mostly. But I can see Chelsea coming away with the points. And this this seems absolute blasphemy. But are we are all three of us going to be sat there watching the Manchester derby cheering on Manchester United? Yeah, I am because I've just got no fear of them at all. Whereas Manchester have got the quality to be a threat. So come a, on, United! Is that what is that as far as we're going? It's a testament to how weak Man United have become. Yes, uh, I want. it's like when I. Here on Watford when they play Man City, you know, I, I I just want the weak team to get the points because they can't. <laughs> yes, uh, the the, the um, the, I suppose I suppose the main thing for us, and you know, uh, this is a terrible thing to say, but I think the main thing for us is to just make sure that Ole stays at the wheel, you know, as long as possible. <laughs> I mean, what else can you say? So if they could go out and get a one 0 win or a two one or a draw, even. But I think the truth is, is I think they they they're not having a great week, and I think City are going to are going to give them a, a bit of a, a bit of a shoeing. It's it's due because United have, have beaten them regularly recently, which has been ideal. It is due. Oh, and and, and just just to make mention of something, Dan, in in respect of Spurs uh, and City, Manchester City have, have have a real mental issue against Tottenham Hotspur. Mm. You know, the last three or four times they played them, they've been absolutely. Uh, 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 dominant on the expected goals and then have been counter-punched. Mm. Uh, it's happened all the way back to the Champions League in 2018 
Um, Spurs have been doing this to City, even, even pre-Mourinho. So I wouldn't read too much into the fact that Spurs beat City. I also wouldn't read too much into the fact that Spurs and Chelsea played out to that 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 nil-nil game. That yeah, was typical weird. Mourinho. Typical, typical Mourinho, shut up the game, take a point. Lampard not really understanding how to, <laughs> uh, how to subvert that type of uh, uh, load lock. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't read too much into that. They're going to come to Anfield, as, as, as you said, next week. They're going to come, they're going to face five or six different challenges that they haven't faced yet. And, uh, you know, if, if they leave with a draw at Anfield next week, they've done well. They've done very well. Agreed. Let's hope they don't. So are we suggesting that Liverpool might be top of the uh, table come next uh, Thursday? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Well, what a good way to end. Thanks for your time, boys. Agree again. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having us.